Hi, my name is Susie, and you're listening to Rock at Night. Hi, this is Anita with Rocket Night. Uh, I'm interviewing Susie, who is a heavy metal rocker. At the age of 63, she is finally being recognized for her songwriting, her music, um, and she has a lot of plans in the works. So we'll go ahead and um, let me give you an introduction. Uh, Susie hails from Mississippi. She now lives in Houston. She goes by one name, that's S-U-Z-Y, Susie. And she's 63, she's heavy metal, Um, she is quite a songstress and great at the songwriting. She's just released her second EP, this is self-titled. It has five songs and it was produced by Billboard number one artist producer, Norman Matthew, who has been with As Strange as Angels and Murder FM. Norman has uh, worked with Members of Motley Crue, Motionless and White, Alice Cooper, Luis Miguel, and many more. Featured musicians on Susie's new EP include Joe Vitale from the Eagles and Joe Walsh, Matt Starr with Ace Freely. Her first, um, her first EP uh, was titled The Best Revenge. It came out in 2015, and it was dedicated to the haters and those who scoffed at the possibility of Susie doing music full-time. Um, through the rock and roll fantasy camp, Susie has shared the stage with members of Cheap Trick, as well as Paul Stanley from Kiss, Rob Halford with Judas Priest, Nancy Wilson with Heart, Simon Kirk with Bad Company and Free, and of course Joe Vitale with Joe Walsh and the Eagles. Vinny Apache with Dio and Black Sabbath, and Rudy Sarzo with Quiet Riot and Ozzy Osbourne. She's performed live at world-renowned venues, including um, Whiskey A Go-Go in West Hollywood and the House of Blues in Las Vegas. Um, Her message is simple. You're never too old to do what you love. Life is a song, so sing it. Uh, Very similar to my favorite meme, which is do what you love. So thank you, Susie, for being with us. Uh, thank you, Anita, for having me. And I, I do have to make one little correction. I'm only 62. Oh, while okay. I don't mind, while I don't mind that I'm 62, let's not make me 63 before we have to. <laughs> oh, I don't blame you there. Okay. I don't blame you for sure. We And, and plus... You know, in most in most situations, most of us of a certain age would not give our um, give our age anyway. But I I guess it's really remarkable for women your age and my age to be in rock and roll at all. And most of us don't look at us that way. So um, so this is kind of fun because it's something once you put away the obligations of life in general, you can do what you want and do what you love. Yeah, so, definitely. That's and also, yeah, that's, 
feel go ahead to I, I sit I don't feel sixty two. I sit here and go, How is that possible? I I feel like I'm about forty five, I think. I think that's when I kind of stopped counting on how old I was. Yeah. Forty five is the new sixty two then. <laughs> right? Yes. Or sixty two is the new forty five, yeah. And that kind of rolls right into my first question. Um, according to the bio that I got, you've always been interested in music, but you never made it a priority in your younger years. Why is that, and why now? Well, the, when I was growing up, that was really all I ever wanted to do was music, but I lived in a very small town in Mississippi, and there just weren't a whole lot of opportunities there to pursue any kind of music. So in about 1980, my husband and I moved to Houston, Texas, and I thought, okay, now I'm somewhere where there's there's bands, there's music, there's venues that have people playing music. You know, I should go out and, and look for, you know, a band to play with. And right. every time I would bring it up with my husband or my family, which – we moved here not knowing anybody, so that was really the only people I was talking to because it was in the days when you had to pay for long-distance phone calls. So Right, we, right. So they would either change the subject or something out. You know, it was like I was not getting I think I lost some of your audio there. Can you go ahead and repeat that? I said that uh, it seemed like I wasn't getting any support from them, and I started thinking, well, maybe they're trying to be nice and and not tell me that I can't really sing as well as I think I can, and maybe I shouldn't be trying to do this. So I pretty much, around 1980, stopped doing anything related to music at all. And mm-hmm. it was about 93 because actually we lived here for a while and then we moved back to Mississippi. And when we moved back again in 93 is when I started kind of getting back into music because there were a lot more, like I said, there was a lot more opportunity here, even in terms of just going to concerts and that sort of thing. And I started meeting musicians and, and that sort of thing, but I still wasn't thinking about doing anything until I I actually worked as a a writer and a graphic designer for about uh, 30 years and hadn't really even thought about it because, you know, you get older and you think, well, it's too late to, to, you know, that that was fine when I was a kid, but now, you know, I'm a grown-up. I'm not supposed to be doing this stuff. But um, I had a friend that that said, well, you're a writer and you sing, why don't you write songs? And I was like, well, never really thought about doing that and hadn't really had the right situation. But because I did know some musicians, we kind of started into that. It didn't go very smoothly on the first EP, which is why it was called The Best Revenge. But, But... we, I, I ended up at the end, things had gone so badly that 
instead of getting the disc with the master on it, I got a blank disc, and I to this day do not know what happened to the songs, but they were gone. So fortunately, we recorded a lot of that one at my house, and I had older versions, not the the final versions that were mixed, but I had older versions. So that was when I went to fantasy camp and uh, because right around that time I was like, okay, is the universe trying to tell me that I'm not supposed to do this because this is really hard and everything seems to be going wrong or should I keep doing this? Well, I got the email about the fantasy camp, uh, songwriters camp, and one of the things was they would critique your song. So I was like, okay, I'm going to go. I'm going to take the the rough mixes of the songs that I have, and if they tell me I'm supposed to keep doing this, then I'll keep doing it. If they say nope, then I will have tried, and that was it. But they were very supportive, and so I lugged my 100-pound CPU over to a friend, and he helped me put together what what was left you know, that I had, and then we recorded parts that we couldn't salvage and ended up putting out that that EP. So tell us a little bit about the Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp. I was looking up some of their videos uh, just last night, and it seems like it was uh, an incredible, for anybody that was involved, whether they were teaching or whether they were going there, that it was an incredible experience and a, a remarkable learning experience um and and the people that come the artists that come um are really really dedicated to it and love teaching or passing on their knowledge what what can you say about the fantasy camp Um, rock fantasy camp and how it helped you well i i'd say that everything you just said is is definitely true the uh, uh the counselors that are are rock stars that come in and mentor each band are, you know, very into it and they get a lot out of it. The the special guests like the Paul Stanleys and the Rob Halfords and, and all of those people, they keep coming back because they get a lot out of it. And of course we get a lot out of it and it's it's just really a very fun experience, but it's it's a lot of work. It's four days of, of you know, all-day rehearsals and that kind of thing. You you make a lot of friends because you're, you're crammed in with people, you know, in a rehearsal room for, you know, 10 hours a day. You get to know them pretty well. Yeah. So, it's, so you yep. make a lot of really long-lasting friends in, in a short period of time. But it's, you know, you get get to learn from the best. And they also, in addition to our, our, our rehearsals and that kind of thing, they have master classes that different ones of them do that, um, you know, that you can go to that help you with things like stage presence or vocals or songwriting or, you know, there's, there's usually a lot of different aspects. It depends on who the counselors are and what their backgrounds are as to, exactly what it is every time but it's it's just an incredible experience it sounds like it's uh kind of like um 
American Idol where they take all those young artists and they, like you said, they throw them together or The Voice or any of those comparable shows. And, and it's really just intensive training. Um, so you're getting a, a lot in a very short amount of time. Yes. Um, so that, um, that kind of makes you, you, you make it or break it after an experience like that, it seems like. Right. Because, we, <laughs> you know, we, we meet, a lot of times we meet for the first time on Thursday and then by Saturday night and Sunday night we're doing a, a full-blown show at, you know, at a venue. And oftentimes, you know, the, the, the guest artist, the Paul Stanley or the Rob Halford is standing there on stage with you. So you've got to be, you know, you've got to be ready. Right. Wow. Now, in your younger years, um, how did you get the music? How was that through church, through school, back in our old day, you know, when we were younger, uh, radio was a big thing. Um, I used to listen to my radio at two or three in the morning because I would get, the clear channels from, you know, much larger cities like New York and Chicago. So you could hear some of like the underground rock at the time. So uh, how did that, what did you do? What worked for you? Well, what started at like a very, very, like two and three years old was my parents had a lot of, of albums, a lot of records that they played and they played them a lot, even though neither one of them were, musical they they like to dance and so they loved right. um you know they had a lot of rat pack music and big band and all sorts of stuff and i loved listening to it and singing along with you know with the albums on there we didn't really have great radio stations until i was in i think probably middle school maybe and then we had a really good actually hard rock station because my parents thought I was nuts because I asked them for an FM radio for Christmas because back then they didn't come AM and FM on the same radio. Right. And and the only FM station that was anywhere near us was a country station and they didn't even listen to country music. So they were like, what on earth do you want with this? And I'm like, there's this new station and it's coming on and, you know, I've got to be able to listen to it. So I got it for Christmas and listened to it until, and we didn't have radio stations late at night. We weren't close enough to a big city to get those stations like you were getting. And a lot of the stations mm-hmm. would go off the air. So I would wake up in the morning with my clock radio to the the Star Spangled Banner as the station came on the air. Right. Yeah, I remember all of that because my father owned a rock and roll radio station, the first rock and roll radio station in southwestern Pennsylvania, and um, and it was uh, from sun sunrise to sunset. And back then, the rock and roll radio stations were only on AM, so AM was what you were listening to if you were listening to yeah. the clear channel in the middle of the night. FM was for the the beautiful music, the classical, or the elevator music. That's all you heard on FM at the time until it switched over. 
But yeah, I remember all that. I, I remember listening, you know, when my parents thought I was sleeping, I'd have it on and before headphones. And I was listening to like <laughs> Jimi, Hendrix, Jimi Hendrix on Clear Channel, you know, from well, Chicago um, or New York or whatever. <laughs> and another part of it was that one of my friends had a brother who was in high school and we were little kids. And so we would be in our, her room playing with, like, our Barbie dolls or whatever, and he would be on the other side of the wall playing Frank Zappa and, you know, the Doors and all the really heavy bands from the 60s, you know, and the other right. room. So I also got a lot of, of uh, I guess, indoctrination <laughs> through, through that. But I really, you know, I really liked what I was hearing, and so... And I think that's probably how I found out about the radio station was he probably he was probably from he had told her something that uh, yeah that's just listening to a lot of music is really how I I got into it right that's we'll switch gears and go to your latest um, EP because I've listened to it. Um, you have five songs on there. It's self-titled, uh, called Susie, just Susie, S-U-Z-Y. Um, people that are looking for that can find it on CD Baby. Uh, tell us a little bit about how recording that album was different from the recording of the first album. Your first album, well, of course, being The Best Revenge in right. 2015. Right. Um, and it's also available on any other download or uh, streaming sites, but you can buy okay. actual CDs on CD Baby. Great. So if you're, if you're if from my our generation, then most of us still listen to CDs. <laughs> I have it available yeah. as, as CDs. Um, I've forgotten the question now. Oh, the, oh, how, it, how the recording, because, yeah, how the recording yeah. was different, yeah. Well, a lot of it was different because um, the previous things I had done either, I did do some recording in a studio in Houston briefly, and then, like I said, I record, we set up a recording studio in my house for the first one, but the second one I was doing... And I had done some long-distance stuff with the first one, but I was working with Norman, and Norman is in Dallas, and I'm in Houston, which we're about five hours apart. So we do a lot of um, a lot of the getting ready to record via long distance, usually um, FaceTime. But then I would go to Dallas to record in his studio at the Sound Foundation in Dallas. And so we would record record the songs there. So it was a little bit different going into an actual studio setting for a change. Right. So you I could be comfortable. You you could be comfortable in your own home and and um, do the work in your slippers if you wanted to. <laughs> you didn't. The travel was excluded from that. So right. Yeah, and so, I had well. Initially, I was working with someone in Dallas, so I was traveling, and then I worked, the studio was here, and then people were coming to my house here, so for a while there, I was I was working locally, and then I went back to the, the working um, 
you know, where I had to travel. But that's that's one of the nice things about the way music is today is that you can uh, work with people remotely. It was like uh, Joe Vitale's in, I think it's Ohio, and Matt is in, Matt Starr is in Los Angeles, and they both were able to participate in the album without having to come to Dallas. They they recorded their parts where they are, and then mm-hmm. sent those to us. So you get you get a lot of um, advantages, I guess, to a lot of the technology that's around today. And it was right. also a very pleasant experience. Norman and I had known each other for a long time, and had it it was it was a much smoother um, process. We didn't have any fights or. Right, right. I mean, we might have some slight artistic differences, but usually we were able to work those out pretty easily as opposed to possibly some of the other um, people I've worked with, (laughs) shall we say. (laughs) Now, you've been told that your voice sounds like Joan Baez meets Judas Priest and Simon Kirk from Bad Company and, and the band Free said that you sound like Joni Mitchell meets Metallica, (laughs) which I thought those comparisons were kind of wild. And how did those make you feel? Was that like a pat on the back or something else? (laughs) Um, Yeah, I I took it as a compliment (laughs) because both both of those are good. They're both really good songwriters and really good singers. So, but I'm I don't do their kind of music. I do you know right. a lot heavier stuff. So I, I I think it was, and I know that the the Joan Baez and Judas Priest thing. The people that came up with that were there's a Judas Priest covered a Joan Baez song, and that was kind of oh. where that comparison oh. came from. Right, right, and of course uh, the connection here is Joni Mitchell just had her. 70th something birthday yesterday so it was like I was thinking that's crazy um, because she's of course rated as one of the best female singer songwriters ever you know um, definitely one of my idols and always has been but uh, how do you get into that songwriting gear how does that happen for you is there do you do the words come first? Does does the music come first? Um, uh, is it is it a different kind of equation for for that? It it kind of depends. Sometimes the words come first. Sometimes the people I'm working with have some music that that they want me to to put work put the lyrics to. We didn't have that on. Well, we we really didn't have that on the last EP, except that there was a song that we got to the point of being ready to record it, and I like how the the lyrics to the song that it was written for worked with the music. I was like, this is sudden. This is didn't gonna. It isn't what I was thinking. So I ended up in that case writing new lyrics because we'd already paid to have all the all the music done and it was ready right. to go and it's like 
well, it's not going to work with that song, so let's see what else we can come up with. So in that case, I I wrote different lyrics for that song. Right. So it, it kind of it kind of depends on I I know for the the next one because we're already thinking about it. I do have some music that I'm going to be working on trying to come up with lyrics for, as well as I've got some some lyric ideas that I'm going to be working on as well. So it's it's a little bit of both. Now, um, since we're both women of a certain age, I assume that neither of us are ready for rocking chairs and knitting. Am I correct? <laughs> oh, definitely not. Now, what's your next project, and um, where do you see yourself in five years? Um, well, like I said, we're starting working on the next EP now, and mm-hmm. so I, I, you know, as long as I'm still able, I see myself, you know, writing and singing and recording and hopefully performing, uh, you know, for as long as I can. I'm actually going to a new rock and roll fantasy camp next week, and so in between uh, press calls today, I'm working on try. We're trying to our band's trying to figure out what songs we're <laughs> going to do. So I've got got a lot going on right now. I think. What's your favorite busy, part of? Okay, go ahead. <laughs> I was going to say staying busy. I think helps. helps yes. Keep you young. Yes. Exactly. That's what I try to do as well. What's your favorite part of the music process? Is it the writing? Is it the performing? Is it helping others? Um, where do you see yourself? What's your favorite niche of all that? Oh, that's hard to say because I like all, I like all of the creative parts of it. All the you know the writing, the recording, the performing. I do not care for the business side of it at all. <laughs> <laughs> right. And that, unfortunately, you know, that comes along with being a, a a solo indie artist is that, you know, you don't have a record label doing all your promotion for you and you don't have somebody doing all your social media for you. And so trying right. to, because I'm going to be gone for the next week, I'm trying to get all my social media planned out so that i I have it all ready to go, you know, before I leave. And that's, it's like, what am I going to post for two weeks? Yeah. One of the, one of the helpful things. Yeah. One of the helpful things is being able to schedule posts, of course, so you can schedule them in advance. So they're coming out regularly, which I know that's a big help. And, and, um, create, Things like you, you know, this interview with you that I want to include in there, and so I've got some things that are coming up, but they won't have happened yet when I schedule right. it. So it's like that's that's the other flip side of it, I guess, is that I've got to figure out how to get those things in there too, because I definitely want to promote everything I'm doing. Uh, creatives generally don't like the business end of it. It's It can be very complicated. It can take them away from creating. So, um, yes. so yeah, I've definitely heard that before when I've talked to other artists, um, and it's so much more convenient to have somebody to do it for you. Um, yes. You know, so, um, oh, I was going to ask also, 
Um, do you play any instruments? I play piano badly, but aside from and I I read music, but I don't really. I always wanted to learn to play guitar, but it just never worked out. So hmm. I, I still would like. To, I'd still like to learn, but I'm not sure because you know, as we get older, our grip kind of our ability to grasp things kind of gets. So I'm not sure if I could if I could actually do it anymore but I'd still like to try it because I think that would be that would be awesome it's just when I was growing up like I said it's a small town there wasn't anyone I knew and I knew everybody in the town that even owned a guitar much less knew how to play one and there was briefly a, a, a choir director for a church that lived there very briefly and my parents actually bought me a guitar and I started lessons and then he moved away and I carried that guitar around with me for like 25 years and I never was able to get somebody to teach me how to play it a lot of other people played it for me but I never played it and I ended up giving it to my nephews and they learned to play guitar (laughs) I should make them teach me yeah I highly suggest if you have like like myself I have small hands and like you had mentioned the grip gets um, harder and harder as we get older to have yeah. that grip. But I've, I've been playing a ukulele for almost five years now, and I absolutely love it, and that works for me. So that might be something you might want to consider because you can do just about everything with a uke than you, that you can with a guitar. So, But just to throw that out there, it was help, it's yeah. helpful. Actually, I have four. I'm looking at four of them right now. I don't know why I need four, but I have four. So, well, I mean, <laughs> so. Most, most people I know that play guitar have, have multiple ones, so I guess that makes sense that you would have multiple ukuleles as well. Exactly. Well, um, we're going to go ahead and close, but I want to let people know how to find you. It's um, Susie officialmusic.com am I right S-U-Z-Y officialmusic.com on the well, web it's, it's the other way it's Susie Music Official ah Susie Music Official.com and um, on that website you're, you, you're connected your socials which is on Facebook right you're on Instagram you're on Twitter you're on YouTube so you've got all that there under the video portion, anybody who's looking will have some great um, videos to watch of um, Susie with some of her collaborators um, on these videos. A little bit of a cut from um, the one um, song, Nowhere Nowhere to Run. Is that it? Um, um, well, the two videos that are up there right now are a song called Live and another one called uh, Tomorrow. And and Lies is the most recent. Lies is the most recent that was released. Am I correct? Uh, tomorrow. Ah, okay. Lies has been out, out for a little while, and uh, we just released Tomorrow the week before the EP came out. Well, two weeks, because we there is there are full music videos for those two on there as well on the website right. or also on the YouTube channel as well. So anybody who wants to see that, and I'll, of course I will link 
whatever I can link in the story depending on space. So as soon as this gets um, put on Rocket Night, then we'll be providing links throughout and hyperlinks so people can check everything out. But um, I want to thank you for your time with us today, Susie, and I want to wish you the best of luck. And we're okay. looking forward to we're looking forward to hearing a lot more from you. So we're okay. definitely going to be keeping our eyes peeled. So, um, and any closing comments? Um, I think that we pretty much covered everything. And I just realized I'm supposed to be on another call right now. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll let you go. And thank you so much for joining us. And we will talk to you. We will talk to you soon. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. You're listening to Rock at Night.